let me let me die just real quick so I don't have to be in this hot room anymore. <laughs> I'm just gonna die just a little bit. Just just gonna die like oh is that twenty percent? Okay. Here we go. Here we go now. Here we go, yo, here we here we go, yo. Laying down those big hearty dice beats. That was really good. Thank you. Gonna put some knowledge in your brain meats. Yo, my name's Grant, and I here to I'm here to say I give role playing advice in a different way. <laughs> some guys out there they talk about dice, but me and Chris we think dicks are nice. <laughs> That's why you're the best rapist. What rhymes with tangent? Management. Management. <laughs> Ma- mandant. <laughs> Alright, I'll do the intro. Was that not it? <laughs> This warm, lugubrious, sweaty episode of Hearty Dice Friends. Mm. You might as well call it Hotty Dice Friends. That's good. No. My no, name's I'm Grant too, Howitt. I'm too, I'm too hot to tell any different. <laughs> My name's Grant Howitt. And um, too hot, hot damn, call the police of the fireman. Here's Chris Taylor. Hello. Hello. I like that intro. Thank you should you. do that what? anytime I walk into a place. Oh, what, where I, I sing the bit from Uptown Funk? Yeah. Okay, well, Chris Taylor, go and give it to you. Um, much like Uptown Funk is go and give it to you, or X is go and give it to I you. I think X is most well known for giving it to people. That's true, yeah. You, you've got to give it to him. <laughs> you have to hand it to him. You have to hand it to him. He has a gun. <laughs> wonder what he's doing now. I presume living, living rich and fat. Well, like, you never hear his music anymore, aside from Atomic the Ta- Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> Which has got to be quite the earner. Also, quick question. Oh, it was DMX, that was it, because I was thinking, like, what the fuck came after X, because I knew it wasn't Exhibit. <laughs> I once saw DMX in a film called Exit Wounds. Okay. Or, as it was translated in Portuguese, Fire Holes. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a scene where he lays down... Uh, so like uh, the 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 bat, he's, he he plays he plays like an undercover cop uh, on the streets and um, I think he teams up with Jet Li or someone Jet Li flavored and they are uh, the, the the baddies are using dye laced with cocaine to dye t-shirts and then ship the t-shirts put the t-shirts in water and then render the cocaine back out of them genius and so to protect himself from incoming fire he he hides in in sort of like a little I suppose a little pillbox of um of like of, of bags full of dye, like like a square, right? Mm-hmm. But then but then villains are coming. So what does he do? Why he simply attaches his belt buckle to that to the trigger of his shotgun and throws it in the air to shoot. Him. What? He throws it in the air. Uh, the belt buckle the belt buckle hits the trigger and it fires. And, That's and he a shoots quick way them. to get shot by your own shotgun. Yeah, what's DMX? That is true. He's invulnerable to harm. Is, is DMX and Triple X the same person? Um, no, they have different names. Ah. <laughs> they have different names, faces, 
Um, it's both spelt and pronounced differently. I'm not sure how. They both got X in there. That was where I, I generalised. Are DMX and Malcolm X the same person? No. Okay. Um, can you Malcolm ask... X is a very good name. Yeah. If you're gonna have, if you're gonna pick a name. Well, you did. That's what I mean. Like, if you're yeah. gonna pick a name and you're gonna be yeah. an icon, you might Better as well pick that. a really cool name. Yeah. So, I went to a celebrity signing this week, and I was one of the celebrities. Right? How cool is that? It was a meet and greet. It was it was very strange. So I, I went I went up to Leisure Games in Archway for a uh, no sorry not 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 Archway shit where is it London Lo- North London. Um, went up to Leisure Games uh, where there was a, a popular YouTuber Satine Phoenix. And and someone called Rooty Rutabaga or Rooty Rutenberger or something. <laughs> That's a type of root beer, isn't it? Yeah, had come over. It is. It's a root vegetable. Uh, had come over from America, and they were sort of doing a tour of some kind. Okay. Anyway, the uh, the Rolleists podcast, a Frenchman who talks about playing games in London for reasons I can't quite fathom, but he seems like a nice guy. Um, put together uh, put together charity night with Roleplay Haven, who do a lot of uh, they do a lot of um, roleplay clubs in London, but also they do uh, they, they they give to the charity Mind. Okay. So I've got I've got a lot of time for them because Mind yeah. is one of the few charities I've directly benefited from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which is which also I should say not the sole reason you should give to charity, but <laughs> I, I give I, to charities to help me. I view donating to Mind as insurance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just in case it all goes wrong again. Playing the long game. So it was me, the people from Rusty Quill, uh, the, an, an, another podcast, uh, the people from Up to Four Players. Is it called Up to Four Players? What's it called? Yeah, Up to Four Players, uh, which is a Savage Worlds webcomic. Um, and um, these two people from America. And they said not a, not a single word to any of us, the people from America. Oh. Not a jot. Uh, and so we just went out for pizza instead. But I, nice. I, 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 I signed some books. I signed some Spire. I got some. I got some. We got some fan art for Honey Heist and Spire, which is lovely. Simultaneously in the same piece of art. In the same art, yeah. It's by uh, I forget the, I forget the lady's name, but uh, she does a website called Penny Black Feather, and she does lovely kind of kind of spookity drawings, which I like. Mm. But it was it was it was really strange being the reason someone might have come to something. <laughs> You're the reason somebody left the house. Yeah, that is odd, and I can't say I enjoy it. <laughs> a little too much pressure. How many celebrity signings did you have this week? None. Uh, None well, at all. I'm not a cool step up your you game. Can. Step up I your game. I don't have the Twitter following. That's true. Also, you actively dislike publicity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's one of the reasons why you have all of our publicity. <laughs> yeah, because I'm thirsty for it. Yep. I'm a thirsty little tart when it comes to praise. <laughs> Chris, you know what else I'm a thirsty little tart for? What are you a thirsty little tart for? Questions. Oh, I've got such questions for you today. Captain Fancy asks, what makes or breaks a pick-and-mix style classless system? Can they work? What does this mean? So, What is a pick-and-mix class system? You know a class, what a classless system is? Yes. Oh, classless! I thought you said class system. Nope, classless. Yes, I understand. Yes, like uh, like your worlds of darknesses. Yeah, yeah. Where you you're meeting some masterminds. Bits of bits yeah. of the system to make your class. Can they work? And what makes and breaks them? Uh, they can work. 
but uh, as as we've discussed in the in the podcast beforehand, you lose difficult. You you lose um, what's the word definition on the mechanical silhouette of your characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes hard to judge people's capabilities, which is like perhaps more realistic in that way. If you're after a more nuanced, subtle story, uh, then having like I'm a vampire. And I'm uh, sorry, uh, not, not not Vampire the Masquerade because Vampire the Masquerade it has classes. They're just called clans. Yeah. Um, but let's say you're playing Wad Mortals. It's like, oh, I am a journalist. I am a uh, I'm an urban explorer. I am a book owner. That sort book of thing. Book owner. Yeah, book owner. I think they're okay. <laughs> I think that it's it's quite hard to imagine yourself into the roles quite often. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the huge problems. Like when you get given cleric, yeah, you you get some form of idea in your head about what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's the other way around with class assistance, where you have to come up with a complete concept yourself. Yeah, and then find pieces that fit to that. Mm. Which is which is always tricky, and like I've generally found that you end up with. Um, more uh, deeper but less interesting characters because mm. you don't have those quick beats to sort of to to to, to go down on and also <laughs> go down on those beats go down um, fat beats and like the great thing about stereotypes is you can invert them yeah and so like you can have a cowardly paladin yeah you can always play with it um, or an ostentatious rogue and one of the big things for me that classes do very well is mm. niche protection yeah for which sure. is something that I'm always talking about when we're designing games. You do like protecting your niche, don't you? Because it's really interesting to have something that nobody else can do. Mm. It's really useful for spotlight time. Yeah, it's really useful to remind you how cool and powerful you are as a as an actor in a in a system mm, and an asset to the team as well. Yeah. Whereas if you've got everybody can pick locks and everybody mm. can fight, yeah, then everybody's the same. Yeah. And you get a lot more accidental overlap with a classless mm. system. And it means that those those points you've spent are even more dead because they weren't free. I'd say um even more um even even woolier is you look at you look at uh, like uh, these are terrorists or fear itself mm. where you have a you have very limited options for for character specialization and I could not tell characters apart. There. No, no, I that could, is like, very difficult. I could not remember. I, I, like, like uh, I, I, I ran, I ran Easter Terrace for a year and Fear itself for six months, and I think I can maybe tell you one of the characters, and that's only because he was awful. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like Call of Cthulhu, uh, Call of Cthulhu Trail of Cthulhu. You get even, archetypes, don't you? It, it gives you, it gives you archetypes, which give you some free points, which push mm-hmm. you a lot higher in certain areas, which yeah. is essentially the best way of handling it in that system. Yeah, for sure. But. On the other hand, they also provide you with something called the Investigator Matrix, mm-hmm. which is where you write down all the characters and then you cross-reference that to all of the skills and see what skills your party has. Mm-hmm. And the book explicitly says your party should be able to do all of them. Yeah. So make sure that somebody has got at least one point somewhere. Yeah. And like that, that doesn't really sit well with me it's a bit weird because it's, it's you're sort of doing it backwards yeah it's, it's like well you have to have this this level of competency to solve the riddle which i've set you so i'm going to give you this level of competency rather than well i won't put in a riddle about that yeah like we're all doctors we're all working in a hospital now mm-hmm. which one of us is going to take astrophysics <laughs> which one of us has architecture yeah like i feel sorry for, for architecture in gumshoe 
I feel so sorry for that. Architecture in, in Gumshoe is such good ability. I always mm. take it. It's so powerful. What, what like, like hidden, hidden doors? It's not just hidden doors, but it's be able to tell where something is in a building. Oh, okay. Um, I, I, I suppose that I suppose that works. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to spend a, I'm going to spend a point to, to know where the fire exit is. Yeah. And yeah. Like, okay. That's good. Um, if as you as, as you said, secret doors. But like a lot of mm. the published adventures will say, you're lost in corridors. Spend mm. architecture. Ah, uh, okay. I, I I suppose I haven't read that many. Uh, I, I certainly haven't read any in like six seven years. <laughs> yeah. But architecture is a really really useful ability because it's not mm. just like ah that's in the brutalist style. Maybe we need to... Um, did you ever hear of Drowning and Falling, the role-playing game? No. It was a role-playing game that only had rules for Drowning and Falling. Okay. Uh, because it was, it, was a, it was a reactionary joke game against Dungeons & Dragons needing rules for Drowning and Falling. And like needing, all, like, like needing, oh, you've fallen this many feet, this is how much damage you take. Like a separate system for Drowning and Falling. <laughs> yeah, basically. And so this game only had Drowning and Falling. But I think maybe there's something to be had, like... Okay, you've got architecture, basket weaving, um, crafts from from World of Darkness, mm. auto support from Slay Industries, and all like all all of the weird little useless niche skills. Operate just, heavy machinery. Just o- operate heavy machinery. That, that would be a great name for the game, I think. Operate heavy machinery, the RPG. <laughs> and so and like and like you just have this really weird. Skill list, and it's like, oh, can I take points and use shotgun? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, There's there loads is, of shotguns here, though. There is a Call of Cthulhu adventure called Tractor Karkos Station, okay, uh, which is set in like the frozen agricultural regions of Russia. That sounds nice. And it's entirely set up around the party all having operate heavy machinery. <laughs> okay, and all if right. they don't all have it, you're largely screwed. All right, you can't just ride in the back. <laughs> no. I've got a question for you. Oh, ask me a question. Would, Dave Chan asks, would Richard O'Brien be the ultimate GM? I don't think he would. <clears throat> Why not? I think he'd be an excellent GM. Mm. But I don't think he's, he'd be able to tell the sort of stories that I particularly want him to as a no, GM. The, well, no, the ultimate GM. Like, he would be The amazing. last GM. <laughs> well, if he's the last GM, then he's by default the best. Mm. Um, but, like, he's going to be excellent at Rocky Horror-style... Big stories. Big comedy. Yeah. Big NPCs. Strange horror. Yeah. That sort of stuff. But I I can't see him doing a very intricate investigative tra- trail of Cthulhu Gumshoe. Again. I'll be honest with you. He never looked very friendly. He doesn't seem like a friendly guy, Richard O'Brien. No, he's quite standoffish in yes, the Crystal Yes, that's Maze. the word, precisely. And like, I think it works in the Crystal Maze because like he's totally in control of the situation. But I don't get the impression that if I went up to him, it's like, "Hey, Richie B, how you doing?" I don't think he'd be like, "Oh, come, come and have a drink. This don't is really me. nice." Don't touch me. Who the fuck are you? You'll make my suit dirty. <laughs> now, Tim Curry. Oh, Tim Curry. Like eighties Tim Curry when he's in his prime because he's, he's not doing too well these days. I think he's had a couple of strokes. Yeah, but um, back when he was healthy, or possibly just like um, when he was. Just, just when he was recording the um, Command and Conquer, um, <laughs> that videos. era, yeah, yeah, like, like slightly on the downward spiral, Tim Curry. But I have so much time for him. Can you, can you imagine a game that's populated entirely by the big men of cinema? 
What do you mean the big men of cinema? I mean, like John, like John Candy, John Goodman. <laughs> that would I would be in that game in a shot. That would have been fucking hilarious. Um, but so you got Tim Curry, mm-hmm. you got Brian Blessed, mm. like big shouty men. I'd be worried about Brian Blessed, Brian Blesseding everywhere. Well, that that's the entire point. You'd set him up as the bard. But like, but like, like he, he he doesn't seem super keen on, on giving people a word in edgeways. Well, no, that's that's why I said bard. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's fair. Yeah, okay. I, I I'm I'm struggling to think of any other large shouty men. Could we get Connery in there? Connery. Hmm. But why he's not shouty? He's more sort of like just quietly into domestic abuse. No, that's true. Yeah, I forget about yeah. that every time. Yeah, he just he, he he thinks it's he thinks it's correct to hit women. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not correct to hit people. Incorrect. Unless they're Nazis, at which point you can hit them all you want. Yeah, you can hit Nazi women. That's fine. Um, or Nazi men. Just Nazis. Just any you, Nazi. You heard it here first. <laughs> Ask me a question. Forefront of the revolution. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me a question, comrade. The dawn lies dead before you. Gunsmoke weaving through the motes of dust caught in the desert sunlight streaming through the broken roof of the barn. You feel the mysterious stranger close by, their fingers working frantically to free you from your bonds as you ponder the Don's final question. You have been handed the opportunity to replace the monk class in Dungeons and Dragons. What do you replace it with? I'm going to be sad we ran out of questions that the mysterious stranger has asked us. <laughs> They're so good. <laughs> I was also said you didn't do a voice for the Don. I, I wouldn't have liked to. You have been handed the opportunity. To replace Fran, <laughs> Fran, <laughs> I'm coming, Fran. Fran, okay. Um. <sighs> no monks. So let's let's look at this analytically. Analytically, okay. what role does the monk fill in a party? Fighter. That's right, Grant. It's exactly that. It's just a fighter. You just replace it with fighter. Well, so but so it's <laughs> if you had to pick. It's somewhere in between rogue and fighter, in that it's um it, like it's it's high damage, low tank. Mm, but my sorry, my point my, my point is that I don't understand monks' roles properly. Well, they hit things, I guess, because they just hit things and they just do yeah. it with a different skin on it. They're not really, they're not even really allowed magic weapons. No, because they're essentially like, rogues. They're closer to rogues than fighters. That's the, like, okay, okay. The, the thing which bothers me: Dungeons and Dragons is a game about getting increasingly nice. Suits of armor, shoes, swords, hats—that sort of thing. Incre- mm. Like more and more magic, and the monk is a class about having stronger and stronger elbows. It's really enhancing those elbows. Well, yeah. that's why in in three point five they they released a feat, oh, a feat chain, I guess, that mm-hmm. just destroyed the game. What was it? Uh, it's called Vow of Poverty. Okay. Um, and what it was what it was done what it was made to do was mm-hmm. to give monks. The ability to to have magic items, right? Because you need them to get through like damage reduction and stuff in higher yeah, levels yeah. without actually giving them magic items and making their class redundant. So they just ate magic items. Well, no, no, they just they just uh, gave them away, and right. their, their gods boosted their powers because they were so nice. Right. Okay. And the huge problem here was that what it did was it gave you enormous amounts of stat mods mm. to make up for it. Yeah. At exactly the levels where the DMG said, by this point, you should have a plus 10 weapon. 
Right, okay. Without the need to find them, there were no requirements. Oh, okay. So you ended up with one feat just being better than a fighter at everything because mm-hmm. your stats were higher. You yeah. Had plus 10 to your melee hit and damage. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and like there was there was vow of pacifism as well. Mm. What? Mm. What? How's that fucking work? So you couldn't you couldn't directly cause harm to to anybody in the game. Okay. However, it essentially doubled all your healing. Oh, that sounds like a really boring thing to do. So boring, but it makes. Oh, monks can't else... do healing. No, no, no. This, these were just these were things oh. from the same book. Ah, uh, so a cleric could take it. Yeah. Uh, um, but it doubled uh, your healing. What it meant was that everybody else in your party was completely immortal. <laughs> these are mortal killers. And and you were the one who was telling them who to hit. I have chosen the path of peace. Now smash this guy's head off the side of that table. <laughs> Go on, fuck him up. Here's a hammer. Wake him up with a spade. <laughs> it's just, I they, have they equal so respect broken. for all living things. Now choke that dog with a pillow. <laughs> Get that goblin in a leg lock and snap off his wrists. Worry not, I will heal your wounds with this snowstorm. <laughs> I'm just going to go like this. And if you happen to get in the way, <laughs> that's on you. Lightning I'm just, bolt. I'm just swinging my arms back and forth. <laughs> so that was about vow of pacifism. Oh man, I like that. Um, but what would you replace the monk with? Aside um, from a cleric with foul pacifism. Um, you know how um, there's, the, there's the brawler class from Pathfinder, who is basically a, uh, an unarmed fighter slash monk, but they, can, they, they have a number of points per day which they can use to temporarily buy feats? Okay, that's kind of That, cool. but you just spend them on vow of poverty and vow of, um, <laughs> vow of pacifism. <laughs> so you very briefly have vow of pacifism when, when you put on the elastoplast. I'll have to look up these feats and post them in the Discord for you because they're mm. everybody needs to see them. Yes, yeah, so okay. silly. So I I also had a soft spot for the gunslinger class from Pathfinder. Yeah, I, honestly, I think Pathfinder did a lot of interesting stuff with its classes. Mm. I, I still think people like they don't quite fit into the meta of the uh, of, of the overall game because like they they have a gun and it does touch attacks. Yeah. And um, so it's very hard to defend yourself properly against the gunslinger unless you have that really quite low-level spell protection from arrows, which also works on guns. Yeah. At which point they just they just might as well go home. <laughs> I'm just going to shoot like this. It's, just, it's the difficult thing. Is I'm trying to think of a and d class they haven't fucking done. But, like, you can use a different D&D class... In, in replacement, like this is adding uh, to core, it's like, isn't it? To the core, right? Okay, cool. Elf. <laughs> you want to go back to the old school? Yeah, I want. I want races as classes and classes as races. So, like upper, middle, and lower. Well, like if you want to be, say, like a a, a battle a battle mage, you have to have a mum who is a fighter and a dad who is a wizard. <laughs> or, so, it's selected breeding. Yeah, yeah. Well, because your, your class is your race, and your race is your class. Mm. We're going to need a rogue for this adventure. Fetch me one of those horrid little halflings. Um, no. Okay. Well, that's the thing. Like the, the halfling could just be anything. You would need a rogue from a rogue family. Well, yes, they're all rogues. You would need to go to, you need to, go to Rogue Town. Yes. Well, I suppose rogue... The Shire. Yeah, fair play. 
All right. Um, factotum. <laughs> <laughs> that was out of left field. Why the factotum, Grant? And also tell me about the factotum. I fucking hate the factotum. <laughs> it's from um, um, Dungeonscape, I think. One of the last games, one of the last source books they released for 3.5, and it had a load of fun stuff to have in dungeons. And it was a core character class, which was someone who goes into dungeons called the Factotum. And you got inspiration points, which was kind of them veering towards once per encounter abilities. Yeah. Uh, and you just like, like, imagine a rogue, right? Yep. Yeah, get rid of sneak attack. <laughs> get what? The thing that makes them good. No, you get, you get even more skills than a rogue. Jesus. So boring. Yeah. Not Factotum. Not them. Sorry, that was a little joke at D&D's expense. Double Barbarian. <laughs> Rages inwardly at his own ineptitude. <laughs> and outwardly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, crucially, also rages outwardly. <laughs> I will murder you for my inadequacies! <laughs> I'd like to get rid of Druids while we're at it as well. Oh, really? What's, what's your beef with Druid? They never fit into the party. No, they're always out there in the woods, faffing like the opposite. They're like the opposite of bards. Bards desperate for approval. <laughs> I kind of like the the urban ranger variants. I think those are quite good. Well, yeah, but that, that, but then that, that's that's a different thing for me, I guess. You know. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. They make much more sense. I st- I'm still trying to think of a class that would replace monk. I would replace monk with. Can we get rid of rangers as well? Alright, so we've gotten rid of monks, rangers, and druids. Yeah, paladins I've got some issues with. Okay, so we've gotten rid of monks, druids, paladins, and rangers. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel that um I feel that like barbarians as well, they're just a bit confusing. What if we reduce it down to fighting man? <laughs> you love- Wait, sorry, sorry, it's 2018. Fighting person. You love the fighting person, don't you? Fighting person, magic user, priest, there's a lot of different, and thief. There's a lot of different casters, aren't there? Well, there's only really four kinds of character. No, but like, there's, there's only really there's, four kinds. There's wizard and sorcerer, who, mm-hmm. let's be honest here, they're the same. Fundamentally the same. And then, I mean, sorry, one, one of them's better. And then we strap warlock to the mix. Now, warlock is good. I like. In fact, you know what? I, I, if, if, if warlock wasn't already in the core. Um, classes I'd put Warlock in. Mm. They they take magic and make it interesting. I think that's actually an interesting campaign, kind of skewing heavier towards magic. Mm. Like it says something about your world when out of ten character classes, six of them are magic. I always I had, I had a neat idea for a, for a, for a way of doing Pathfinder campaigns where you you label all the available classes. And then you randomly roll six of them, and those are the only classes you can have in your entire campaign. That's kind of cool, actually. And so, like, if you get barbarian, rogue, cleric, wizard, witch, and gunslinger, what's what sort of story? What what sort of world is that set in? I think I would play that. Yeah, right. But like, it's it's uh, one of the problems I found when when going into Dungeons and Dragons. It's like, well, look, here are. Here are twelve classes, and each subclass within those. And it's just so much to wrap your friggin' head around as a new player. Yeah, especially uh, when you I, consider things like prestige classes. Yeah, for, or, or like or, or Pathfinder, where like where you've got even more variety within your class. Yeah, 
uh, and, and like and like you're buying upgrades for your class, and like and like you might say, oh, my rogue is this kind of rogue, and so I'm going to cut out these functions, put these other functions in later. And I think just having six classes, you know, things were easy. Things were better when we only had four classes, Chris. <laughs> I used to spend eighteen hours a day down D and D mines. <laughs> Hewing out prestige classes with my own two hands. We should exit this this suffusion of this wealth of classes in some fashion. Go on. I don't understand what you just said. I was trying to make a Brexit joke, but I just can't. Oh, I see. Sorry. Okay. Um, look, we can't think of anything to replace monks with. I think we should just we should just lose them. Like just not monks, and indeed. Like when you sit down to play Dungeons and Dragons, remove half the remove half the classes. Yeah, just get rid of them like so much baggage on a hot air balloon. Um, like randomly roll it or pick it out, and it's like this is going to be this is going to be adventure about these things. And I think it works better in Pathfinder because you've got a wide variety of classes. Especially they had those um, the sort of double classes. Yeah, they had like Slayer and. Um, the Druid Ranger and the War Priest. Well, I think and so the got huge more... problem with D and D, and it's it's a real core problem. Is, is it, it the D twenty? No. Fuck the D twenty. Carry on. Then. <laughs> is this trying to be all things to all people? Well, it's trying to be all fantasy things. Yeah. Mm. But it's it's not picked what it's doing. No, there's no setting for D and D. It's just any fantasy you can think exactly. of. Exactly, and that's why when you when you start looking at, at fantasy with a with a specified setting. Mm. All the classes suddenly get interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's why things like Power of Apocalypse playbooks, mm. because generally Power of Apocalypse is very specific as to what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Each playbook is interesting and unique and does a thing yeah. and is fun. Whereas in D and D, all the classes are trying to do. Well, I can, I can, I can kick down a door and I can do magic. I can be fantasy too. Yeah. I Maybe mean, look, it's better than it was. Better than it was in fourth. Yes, oh, that's entirely fair. Yeah, where everyone did a different kind of damage. Yes. Yes. Like psychic, hey, psychic hey, damage hey, is a problem. Well, it's okay, isn't it? When you're a bard and your your at will was yelling at somebody so they felt bad. Even if they were a skeleton or an ooze. Yes. An ooze. You perfectly fit the corridor. <laughs> yeah. Nice pseudopod, asshole. <laughs> Where'd you get that? The dick bag store? <laughs> yeah. Oh, could you not afford proper stones? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting, getting personal. <laughs> what a boring thing to fight an ooze as well. Can I just, can I just hop in and say that? The, the gelatinous cube, right? Yeah. Daft. Like, fucking crazy. The fact that it's the fact that it's five foot by five foot or whatever. You know, like, ten foot by ten foot? It fills a corridor. Anyway, it fills a corridor. Cool. Very strange. Almost invisible aside from a few things floating in it. You walk into it, it starts to dissolve you. Really weird, strange... Um, that sort of um, come out of the back of a wizard's brain. I'm kind of into it. Yeah, well, it, like, it, it makes sense in a dungeon because it cleans the dungeon. Look, makes sense is not a word you should, not a phrase you should throw around near gelatinous cubes. No, genuinely, like. Th- that... You know what else would, Chris? A fucking broom. Yeah, but if you're not in the dungeon and you just want it. You know, a goblin with a broom. It would shit everywhere, wouldn't it? It would shit everywhere and it would eat. A the hobgoblin bomb. with a broom. It would use the broom to kill another hobgoblin. That's fine. If you forget that gelatinous cube's there, you're walking into it. But it's full of if swords. I, if I bump it, it's full of acid. If I bump into a hobgoblin, that's a, that's that's okay. I apologise to the hobgoblin. Move on. <laughs> if I bump into a, into a gelatinous cube, half my face has come off. Maybe. Think how many hit points we've got. Maybe the gelatinous cube is just really, really sad, and it's just like staring at the floor. 
because mm. everybody's so mean to it. And mm. it doesn't mean to run over you. It's like, oh, it's, oh no, it's you've just... gotten in me again. Oh, dear. Oh, no. oh, I have no arms to pull you out. I'm sorry. My point is, I quite like gelatinous cubes. Mm. Oh, I hope you get out okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, go, I'll go and get your friends. They'll get you. <laughs> oh, it's happening again. Um, Gareth. Gareth, I, need, I did it again. I killed a party. He's put he's putting some kind of club for you to grab on. Ow. Um... What I'm saying is, oozes are fucking terrible to fight. Yeah. In that, you, in that you can't describe anything they do, and you hit them with your sword, they go in half. They should be and at the bottom what, of pit traps, that sort of stuff. Uh, just like that's less interesting than just quicksand. But oozes are my spikes. favorite. A swamp that talks. <laughs> you should have a swamp that talks in every game. Send you give it the intelligence of a swamp. Oh, hello. Did anyone walk past you? I don't know. I don't have eyes. I'm a swamp. Do you need any reeds or mangroves? You know that. You know that saying: "The hills have eyes." Yeah. Lucky bastards. <laughs> I've got a big nose about three miles south. <laughs> and all I can all, smell is a swamp. All I can do is smell myself, and it's awful. It's really gross. I was hoping I might be. I hoping I might grow up to be a bog. There's a different kind of pH in the water, I believe. Someone dropped a book in me and I learned. There's a lot more peaty. Mm. Mm. Talking swamps. Can't get enough of them. Why don't you ask me a question? Oh, I have to ask all the questions. That's fine. I'll ask you a question if you want. No, no, I'll ask you a question. Owen asks, If D&D had based itself around the aesthetics of an author other than Tolkien, who would you want it to be? I'm not very good at knowing about authors. I don't. You I, did an I, English degree. I did an American literature degree, Chris. American literature is two hundred years old. But also, they wrote books. Yeah, I, I'm thinking of fantasy. I didn't. Also, we didn't cover a lot of fantasy books. You know, you know, I didn't. You know, I haven't really read any fantasy. But like J.D. Salinger is a legit answer to this question, Grant. Oh, it's just any author. Yeah. Well, I figure it would be like, you know, because it had to evolve into Dungeons and Dragons, so it would have to be about fantasy and shit. No, well, like, it, if D&D based itself around the aesthetics of another author than Tolkien, like, if it had, if it had bolstered around... Um, it's, it's China Mobile, I'm going to be really boring and say China Mobile, I'm sorry. Good. But, like, William Gibson? Have the default with Cyberpunk? That's not Dungeons and Dragons, then, is it? It's like, it's like if, like, like, I think it should be a fantasy author. Otherwise, the, uh, otherwise, it's just what would you like an RPG based on a book? I kind of like the Hang idea. Can, like... I, can I can I reword that question? Yeah. What book would you like an RPG based on? Yeah, it's close enough. Mm. But like, I think it would have been interesting if it was based on just some like Tom Sawyer bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> ah, now, um, Brer Rabbit and that. Yeah. That would interest me much more, I think. Well, I don't know whether it would interest me much more, but having um, far more like stories about tricking people and um, your sort of Ameri- like your sort of American folk uh, tales, any, any sort of folk tale. I think I think I'd be more interested in having it like rather than Tolkien, who took the from what I can tell, Scandinavia, Scandinavian law, yeah, largely, and then made it all taller. <laughs> That seems to be the only change. It's taller and less interesting. And a bit more English. Chris, you'll have to field this one. I'm sorry. No, no, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm trying to change the question a little bit so that you can participate because you know a lot more books than I do. 
No, I don't know more. I don't know more books than anyone. <laughs> you didn't agree on I, books, Grant. I did. I didn't read them. <laughs> I just. I just read the notes. I, I turned up to class and I, and I'd nod. The trick is. The trick is. You, you you read enough to ask three questions. Yeah, and okay. then it and then it looks like you read the book. That's very true. And then, like, if the teacher asks a question and you don't know anything, you'd be like, oh, I didn't think that bit was really crucial to the plot. Or, like, or like, oh, I, I didn't really... I guess that wasn't really a standout part for me. Yeah. I was much more interested in the first six pages of the book. <laughs> I was more interested in the Cliff Notes version. I think it was much more concise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, if you'd have taken... So there's kind of three or four big, like, colossal... Um, fantasy texts. Well, Pratchett, okay. There's Pratchett. You've got um, George R. R. Martin. Uh, you've got Brian Sanderson. You've got your R. R. Salvatore. Salvatore. You've got the fellow that wrote Wheel of Time. Now, Pratchett would be an interesting one. Yeah, Pratchett would have been an interesting one. That would have lent a much more comedy air. Much comedy, but also much more human. Yes, like there's very few, but there's very few things about wars. There's very few things about about like the movement of nations and the movement of worlds. It's all, it's, it's all about these individuals who are doing things, and generally not for like not for the good of the kingdom, but because they're doing it. Mm. And I have a lot. I think that makes a much more interesting story. It's also just it's more comprehensible. I guess it's more modern, you know. Yeah, but also like most things in Pratchett can talk. Mm, or at least communicate yeah. and aren't in, immediately violent. Yeah, for sure. And that's an interesting dynamic to look at with with well, D. Like, like the, the the dwarves and trolls were at war, but now they're hanging out and playing thud against each other in clubs in Nankwapork. Yeah. And yeah. like you go out into the wilderness and where in a DD you'd have a wandering encounter and fight a thing. Mm-hmm. In Pratchett you'd probably meet a thing and have a conversation. Yeah. And then maybe run away when that, that conversation is generally south. that's the thing. That's how a lot of my games end up. Like I find it really boring to have a fight. Yeah, we had like three sessions into Dungeons and Dragons. We had our first fight <laughs> against a single tiger <laughs> in a zoo. In a zoo. A zoo. Now, and I just I find fighting things quite boring. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, I I play D and D like a war game. Yeah, I, it just it takes ages. And like you could get so much more done with talking in the same time. Yeah, but I don't play D and D for yeah. talking. No, that's true. But like, can you imagine if if um, Game of Thrones had been the default D and D? That I'd find less interesting because that would have been political maneuvering mm. and feuds mm. and recurring characters. And I just just like high school again, but with murder. I just couldn't. I couldn't take it. No, can we move on? Yeah, I'm sorry. I've got a question. No, it's fine. I don't know anything about books. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> they asked this in the Discord, and, and and everyone was like, "Oh, what about this? What about this author?" I don't know who that is. I I just sound like I read books, <laughs> guys. I can't actually read. No, he really he can type, which is weird. But it's he a can't. Secret. Yeah. Like like the reason that Chris and I work together is Chris tells me if I've written words or not. Mm. Often it's just gibberish. Yeah, just kind of steering back on back on the old word train. Back on the old words. 
Here's here's something which I'm uh, I, I think I'm a bit more comfortable around. Okay. What is a good name and race for a fantasy lawyer? Asked asks Mr. B Zuma. <laughs> Mr. B Zuma. Mr. Brian Zuma. Um, I think an orc. Okay. With a really stereotypical orc name like Grishnak. Grishnak Punch Lord. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, would you sign here, please? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I present to you. And I, I think that would be excellent. Like, mm. you, like an orc running away shouting, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. And then there's an actual summons. I would really like that. I just I like the image of an orc, uh, an orc in a barrister's wig. Yes. That's a great look. Like he's bought, like, uh, like a judge and he's bought mm. a great axe to slam instead of a gavel. Mmm, that's good. And they, like he chops the gavel, pop gavel re- receptacle. The little I bit of wood that you knock against so you don't damage your desk. Guess, guess there isn't. I guess there isn't a name for it. Uh, there must be a name for it. There's a name for everything I, in law. I also think that we should replace the gavel with a starter's pistol. <laughs> Just bang! <laughs> Order. Because then you can actually point it at who you want to shut up. Well, like it probably wouldn't do any damage to starter's no, pistol. No, but, so, but having a gun pointed at you. Mm. It gets the point Actually, across. Uh, like, like it would be like you wouldn't have to pull the trigger. Like, like you just get out the gun and level it. Yeah, I will. Um, I will pull this trigger, at, and you'll be held in contempt. At the rambunctious lawyer. Yeah, I would like a Kenku lawyer. <laughs> uh, Kenku, um, like, 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 uh, perhaps a returned Southern Kenku lawyer, um, fanning himself with his big flappy hands. Your Honor. Your Honour, he can't have been there on the night of the crime. He was with me, stealing something else. Please call him Atticus Finch. Atticus Finch. Atticus Finch. <laughs> or yeah, a really flustered elven lawyer. I should tell you, sir. Apparently, apparently they've written these things down in books. <laughs> I've had no time to prepare. Oh, good heavens. Oh, oh Methuselah's arrow! This is going to be a hard one. <laughs> Guilty, Madame. <laughs> Wait, hang on. What? What do you mean? They've bought another. They've bought a lawyer too. Oh God. Who's he? Who's the one at the top there with the big wig on? Good uh, heavens! That's the judge. Oh. Jesus, what does he do? He sounds important. A judge, you say? How come he gets to be taller than all of us? In my day, we- it was just hangings. We should get up there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the plan. I'll distract him, and then you sit up there and hit the thing with the hammer. I'm mainly about healing magic. I don't know why I'm here. <laughs> I took a vow of peace, you see. <laughs> just a four thousand year old elf who just has no concept of the current legal system, but he's very, very sure that the 1700s legal system is still in effect. Yeah, in fact, maybe maybe it's like maybe it's like 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 an undying elf or a ghost. Yeah, like 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 an, an undead elf who's come back into this and, and isn't quite isn't entirely sure, or maybe like a troll from a rich family who um, <laughs> and like and like dad brought him into law school, and so he's so he's gone through law school. He's somehow managed to pass the bar exam, but he has zero clue what's going on, and he is as smart as a troll. Either that, or he has every clue. But just can't mm. articulate it properly. Oh, that's nice. And yeah. he's wedged into that tiny chair. Yeah. And like every time he stands up, the chair's stuck to his ass. 
if it pleases the court, uh, I would like to present witness. Uh, one, two, four. No, eight. 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 Witness eight. Not enough trolls in games. I need to get some more right? trolls. Put some put a troll fun. lawyer in. They, they seem troll fantastic lawyer. fun. And his name would be... Pebbles. Brint. <laughs> Brint. Brint. Kyle. His name's Kyle because his name everybody, is Susan. everybody at the at, at, at the law school his daddy bought him into mm-hmm. was that annoying rich white preppy dude. Oh, uh, like like uh, like 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 khaki shorts, yep. bright coloured polo shirt. Yes, that type. Don't punch me, or my dad will sue, sort of thing. And like the first day, it's like Rumblestan, are you here? Like, <laughs> uh, I just pronounced Kyle. It's, 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 short for, it's short for Kyle. Rumblestan is a brilliant name for <laughs> Is that his first name? His surname or his only name? His first name. Rumblestan. Rumblestan Jockwood. <laughs> That's good. Uh, no, it's uh, pronounced Kyle. It's Kyle. Kyle Winters. <laughs> is that white enough? <laughs> That's pretty, that's pretty white. Who are you? John Heddy. Hello. Um, head comp- On the subject of heads, Head Confidence writes in and says, what to name a creepy carnival? Cirque de Spooquet. Um, we had a, uh, a, a game I was in where there was a politician instead of a haunted house. And so I came up with a load of a load of names from like Nick Clegg's House of Eggs. <laughs> I... which, is just, which is just Nick Clegg in a dark room with his oppositor <laughs> flapping around spraying out hundreds of eggs I don't think you gave Cirque de Spooquet the credit it needed Jeremy Corbyn's Maudlin Borden brackets school just Cirque, de, Cirque de Spooquet was great yeah thank I'm you sorry. I needed something I'm sorry I'm sorry I came to this with gags in mind and I'm sorry and I, and I just had Cirque de Spooquet yeah yeah and like yeah none of mine are carnivals um Marquee of the Red Death. Is Marquee not like a building? I always like thought Marquee was a tent. Yeah, I guess you have it. Um, we all float down here, <laughs> and floats capitalised. Yeah, yeah, you get it because it's like in carnivals. Yeah, I like that. Actually. Man, carnival puns are hard, aren't they? They really are. I'm, I'm, I'm running out pretty quick. We carnival and horror. I can't. Like the thing is, there's not really any names for carnivals. No. Do you know what they call carnivals in Portugal? What's that? Carnaval. That's good. It's useless though. But it, it sounds creepier than carnival. So, like, so a fun fact about about, about uh, carnaval in, uh, in in Portugal. So, like, um, there used to be uh, it was it was, it was done it's basically Mardi Gras. It was done in February, March, that sort of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would have loads of like political. Um, Fates driving up and down, uh, not fates, um, floats driving up and down the high street, um, and like every every biggish town had one. But the other the other great thing about them is they just had stalls that sold basically pork loin sandwiches oh. with mustard and mayonnaise and beer on tap. Oh. The uh, the the second year I went to Carnival, I was I was I was I was definitely up for making like for making a nuisance of myself. Mm-hmm. So I took a load of shaving foam and a load of eggs. And we got searched on the way in. Amazing. And I got everything taken off me. <laughs> Every single thing taken off me. 
and the uh, and 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 the police officer was like, oh, "Un bon carnaval." <laughs> <Just means, laughs> Have a good carnival, no, I white boy. I'm, I'm, I'm fluent in Portuguese now after after you uh, taught me Portuguese. Well, I bought you that book, didn't I? Yeah, Grant recently taught me Portuguese, so now I'm fluent. Uh, why, why don't we crack out that book, actually? What's, what's, what's it called again? Onatel do Balinha. It's so uh, it's pronounced Bolinha, <laughs> and it's uh, it, it's it's called it's it translated into English. It's Spots Christmas. It's about Spot the dog, and I thought Chris needed to learn a little bit of Portuguese and also about dog Christmas. Yeah. So, so have, uh, it's not at all that my dad bought it for me for, as a joke gift and then I was and I was leaving the country and I was like, I don't want to take this with me to Australia. Hey, Chris! <laughs> and one, one of my favourite pastimes is reading Portuguese in an incredibly English way. Why don't you give us a line? Estamos na vespera de Natal Belinha. Yeah. Now say that in Portuguese and it sounds lovely. So it's, what was it? Was it espa, what was it? Yeah. Estamos. Estamos. Na vespera. Na vespera. De Natal Belinha. Do Natal Belinha. See, that sounds great. In Portuguese. It's, it's not super hard. You just sort of do a Russian accent. <laughs> yeah, it is very <laughs> Russian, actually. It's not a million miles off Russian. Having spent some time there, like, the accent is heavily Russian. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a nice accent, actually. I like Portuguese. Hmm. I can I can melt into it anyway. Yeah. So uh, if you if you got any questions about how Spots Christmas goes, I'm I'm your boy. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert: He gets a collar. He does, and a Kinky. he gets a collar, a ball, and a comb. Uh, a a ball? Doesn't he get a bone, not a comb? No, he gets a comb. Oh, okay. Cool. This is this is great content. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's my fault. It's my fault. Um. So another question for you, Grant. Yeah, lay it on me, big horse. Because I don't understand this question that was tweeted at us. Mm. Avi Public asks, how would your hand design be different if intellectual property was no barrier? Now, I think Avi means the designs that I do by hand. I see. Like, during one-page RPGs. However, if in fact Avi means um, the design of my hands, and I would have Wolverine hands. I would have an extra finger. Well, that's fine. You see, that, that, isn't, that isn't intellectual property. Oh, I, see. I can't have Wolverine hands or Spider-Man hands. I would have those, Hulk those hands, like those Hulk hands you can buy in toy shops. Oh, but real? Yeah. Would they go back to normal size hands when you when you got less angry? Yes. So I mean, that's the issue there because like, if if it was just your hands, you'd probably just fall over a lot. That's true. And also the issue is I don't think I've ever been angry. I don't ever think I don't think I've seen you get angry. No. So I would it wouldn't do anything. It'd just be my normal hands forever. I'd be the worst Hulk in, in Christendom. Or would you be the best Hulk in Christendom? I'd certainly be the most civil. That's true. The credible Hulk. Yeah, well, yeah I can believe this. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess he is quite tall. I think I think my the uh, the design of my of my um, one page RPGs already assumes intellectual property is no barrier, given that I've written ones about paranoia. The Fast and the Furious, the film Hackers, and Jason Statham. And actually drew Jason Statham and his dog. i got to say, like, I don't think that would hold up in a court of law as a drawing of Jason Statham. <laughs> that's, just, that's just an unaffiliated man with a shaved head. Your Honour, it's all about intent. <laughs> I, I put it to you, Your Honour, this is a transformative work of parody. This falls under fair use. <laughs> And satire. 
<laughs> he just coughs up a diamond. I'm terribly sorry. I had a cold. <laughs> just flicks it to the sonographer. That's for you. There you go. I know your kind are underpaid. Please do not consider this a bribe. <laughs> I have no use for them. Simply recompense for valuable work done. <laughs> You're a credit you to the system. <laughs> um... Um, so it's like it's basically already that I'm trying to think I'd probably I, I already treat it as no barrier I um, I think I'd like to see somebody do yours as a comic do what sorry do, do, do your one page RPGs as a comic oh okay like, like a role playing game in the form of a comic yeah like take that sort of more modern Batman comics mm-hmm. that sort of angular um, frames and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, and I'm imagining a drawing style akin to the current Hawkeye stuff. Yeah, that kind of modern styling. <clears throat> and mm. do it like that. I think that would look good. Ryan North had knocked that out of the park. Who? The, dino- the dinosaur comics guy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, not that he... Yeah, I mean, he, he writes comics. Yeah. I wonder if we can get him to do... Well, no. Send an email. I did... No, I seem to get there ahead of him. <laughs> And seeing his copyright is um is is no barrier, I'll claim I'm him. There you go. Jobs, jobs I think I think actually, you know what, if intellectual property was no barrier, I'd just I'd sign everything Monty Cook. <laughs> or like a surprisingly accessible game about bears by D by D Vincent Baker brackets. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so rather than just copying, you're just lying. Yeah, basically. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's 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 intellectual property in, in that I can't say that they're right. <laughs> by like, John like, Harper. Like a one-page D20 game by whoever it was that wrote Dungeons and Dragons most recently. That's a lot of people. Yeah, well, we all helped. I've <laughs> <laughs> got into character. Give me one more question, and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. Joe Turner asks... How do I introduce my players to an alien that still looks scary and, well, alien and communicate you might want to talk to this one rather than shoot it in the face to be safe without pausing the game to explain? This is a niche question, Joe. This is very specific and clearly something that we should have answered immediately because that was in mm. your next game. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, this was this was on the 16th of us. It's been, it's been in, our, in our Twitter um, mentions for two weeks. Oh, so uh, oh, yeah, hope, hope maybe maybe some once per month game. Yeah, let's hope. Who knows? Let's hope. Um, can you put a sign around its neck. <laughs> I think that may be a bit blunt. Um, have it. Um, have it. Have it. This really horrible, nightmarish, like lictor-looking creature, like like uh, like drooling tentacles and massive scything talons, and it stands twelve foot tall. And you've got a t-shirt with just like a smiley face on. Give Keisha a chance. Or like, or like Frankie says, relax <laughs> on the t-shirt, and you're like, oh hey. Um, have it mimic the voices of people it's heard. That's that's work. I'd kill it no, immediately. Wait, what wait. are you talking? But then it can talk in human. Right. Using pre-recorded stuff. Mate, we've both seen Annihilation. Yeah. Like the the best part of that film is when is, is when the Skelebear arrives and talks with the voice of a dead woman. Yes, but that's mainly screaming. That's true, yeah. But like if it if it's just copying quiet time conversations. That's kind of charming, but also I think like 
uncanny enough to again I want to shoot it yeah I guess I guess I don't want to just make it like oh this is a lovely thing I want to keep it alien keep it weird keep it still scary but also um, like try and get it's trying desperately to get across a, com- a communication how about platform. a force field it can generate a force field which takes damage and like it can't absorb all damage but it can absorb a lot of damage mm. and so it puts out the force field and then while it's generating that it's it's like putting its hands up and trying and, and, and like trying to do human methods of communication but hey no 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 wait 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 well, even then if it doesn't retaliate after they stop firing yeah but that's the thing you, ha- you have to make it you have to make it sturdy enough to like to not die after a round of combat yeah and then it just doesn't retaliate it just stands there but like the problem is that you, one of the things you said was like it hold, it's holding its hands up like mm. that's that's a human gesture yeah, so that's the thing. It's learned enough about us to communicate in that way. Yeah, but uh, that's or, why I said um, using other people's voices because it's still very yeah. alien, mm. and it's it can't, it hasn't yet learned how humans work, but it understands. I've got I've got a way to make it less creepy. Okay, telepathy before you see it. Okay, so so like it's it's stealing people's voices. Sorry, it's 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 copying people's voices, mm-hmm. and then and then before you see it, um, you you hear a an an echo in your head um, so, and it's like it's, it's, it's the voice of the navigator from your ship and it's like hi there this isn't the navigator but I'm using her voice I need you to, I need you to not kill me I'm standing behind you please don't shoot me please don't shoot through this door this isn't a trap please leave all your weapons in a pile and come <laughs> to this undisclosed location for more fun information please drink the lighter fluid provided and uh, enter the airlock, and we can have a little chat, a little, little, little powwow. Please close your dominant hand in this door. <laughs> over and, and over, over and over. Thank you. <laughs> um, media, it's media attempting to disarm you. <laughs> that that'll do, I think, for this week's episode of Hearty Dice Friends. Yeah, before had... my legs melt off. Oh, far too late for that, my boy. No, I've, be- I've become a puddle. No, I'm no. I'm like a I'm like a pile of greasy ooze. Ooze. Wouldn't want you in my dungeon. Well, I got bad news. <laughs> I'm in your dungeon and I'm oozing. I'm in your I'm I'm coming to you live from the, from your dungeon. I've manifested a mouth. Weird. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Hearty Dice Friends. This is the outro. If you liked what we did this week, you can give us some money on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash hardy dice friends. Alright. That was amazing. Could have got thank you. Thank you. You also follow us on Twitter at hdfpodcast.com and occasionally we answer the questions through there. You can go to rowanrickanddecor.com. There's a link on the top of the page which says ask the Hearty Dice Friends a question. You can ask us a question through there. Or you can send us an email to heartydicefriends at gmail.com. Thank you to those of, those of you who gave us a review uh, last week. Um, all both of you. Yes. Um, we sent you private Vocaroo links to the... Um, most to the disturbing ASMR, ASMR you'll ever experience. To the, not the most disturbing ASMR, but definitely in the top ten. Yeah. Um, and if if you want to get in on that and have some really like edgy, uncomfortable sleep, drop us a review. <laughs> um, and get in touch because that, that that file is and always will be there. Yep. Um, and thank you so much for listening. We love you. Um, we have built you at a house of ice. House we have wrought. We have wrought an house of ice for you. An igloo, but a mansion 
made by cold elven hands. Elves are very good at pastry. They're even better at ice houses. It's because they've got cold hands. Yeah, because they've got cold hands. And warm hearts. Anyway, we've made this for you. This glittering pin. Ah, it's fucking melted. It is pretty warm. Yeah, we we should have done it during the winter, shouldn't we? Yeah, we'll just sing you to sleep with your own stolen voice. Yeah, just uh, just, just lie down on this wet bit of ground. Goodbye, everyone. Bye!